Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. If you want to turn to your Bibles to the book of Exodus, chapter 33. This is um, Moses and, uh, and talking to the Lord. A little bit of background in chapter 32. Um, the Israelites have rebelled. They've forgotten the great miracle that God has done. He only walked them through the Red Sea, you know, and other things. Now, I don't know about if I was in France and I wanted to get across to England and the English Channel parted and I walked right through to Dover, I think I'd probably remember it. But they were stiff-necked people the Israelites, and then they forgot. And that can be true for us too. Um, but let's read from chapter 33, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flown with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people, and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments and... I will decide what to do with you. Wow. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Strong words from the Lord. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting, or other words, it's a secret place, yeah? Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. Amazing. They've forgotten God. They built this golden calf. and, And now they see the cloud and they're starting to worship again. Me reminding sometimes of God's glory to, to engage back in. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Isn't that amazing? Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. But you've not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. And if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may, know you, I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, 
I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Now, beautiful. Beautiful. Verse 18. Then Moses said, now, show me your glory. Amen. Ahora, mostrame su gloria. I'm still in Colombian mode. Hallelujah. Glory a Dios. Fuego. Mostrame su gloria, Señor Jesús. Show me your glory, Lord Jesus, in this place this afternoon. Well, I've called this today the unchanging nature of God. God is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's unchanging. The path to God is still the same. An atonement has to be paid for sin, which separates us from God. A repentant heart, accepting Christ. God would send his son. His blood was the one that separates the wrath or the the anger of God. We read there about he wanted to destroy his people because he cannot. God doesn't like sin. We got the message. God doesn't like sin. Doesn't go together. Holiness and sin doesn't go together. But now God can look on at us. And instead of seeing a blood sacrifice of an animal, he sees the blood sacrifice of his son. That enables us to come to him. Isn't it beautiful? And so God is a God of his promise. God of his word. He's a God of his promise and his word. He's unchanging. This doesn't change. People have tried to disprove the Bible and things, and I've even tried it. I failed, funny enough, because God trumped it every time. <laughs> He's true. We've been to Israel. We were blessed to go to Israel. And, oh, whoosh, and Amandal. Spirit of God filled that place, you know? You just know it. It's true. Capernaum, the Sea of Galilee, Jerusalem, King David's, Hezekiah's tunnel. Wow. And incredible. Where am I going with this? He's a God of his promise. But the people forgot. We read earlier in, verse, in, in the early part of chapter 33, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath. But what, they forgot. As I said, they forgot. They forgot the miracle. They, they forgot what God had done. And we can easily forget too what God has promised on our lives. There's a promise for every single one of our lives. There's a promise. I love the songs we sing earlier. You are... A child of God. You are chosen. And they forgot, you see, but when we come to the word of God sometimes, we find it difficult to understand. When I first became a Christian, you know, Leviticus and that just didn't get it. You know, Revelation, all these dragons, things just didn't get it. And, and lots of other parts of the Bible don't get it. You could have a realization that Jesus Christ, whoa, Feel the anointing up here. <laughs> Jesus Christ really died on the cross for your sins. But when you're at your lowest place, that's when Jesus comes and rescues you. I needed a savior. I needed help. Jesus says, I've come for the sick, not the pride. Not the proud. I've come for the sick. And I was at my lowest point. I'll come into that in a minute. But it's easy to forget. To um, not to not understand the Bible, and it is the only book in history where you need the author present. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? You need the author present. I've met many atheists trying to read the Bible. 
Now, the power of the word can convict people, but many have said, doesn't mean anything to me, I don't get it. But when you ask the presence of God, God, be present as I read this, be present as I try to articulate what you're trying to speak to me. Great verse in the Bible, Psalm 119, verse 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Pray that when you open your Bible. Open my eyes, Lord, as I try to understand, God, what you're trying to speak to me about. Jesus explained in John chapter 6, when he was talking about he was the bread now that people need to eat from for, for life. They didn't understand. John 6, chapter 60. Have we got it up? John 6, chapter 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? It's hard. And verse 66, it continued, Jesus responding. Verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave two, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Amen. They knew. Where else can we go? Where else? God is an ever unchanging God. Still the same. People say that God of the Old Testament and the New Testament are completely different. But no, they're not. I can give examples and examples of both together correlating all the way. Jesus has continually been shown all the way through. God is a God of judgment, yes. But he showed endless counts of mercy and love and forgiveness in the Old Testament. Miracle healings again on the Gentile nations. Multiplication of oil. Mirroring what Jesus did with the bread and fish. Countless times. Jesus is the same. But let's not turn away. Yes, we can find it hard sometimes. But just pray, Lord, be present as I worship and you open the Bible. And as you say that, revelation upon revelation upon revelation comes to you. The Bible is a lifetime's work. When I first got saved and I thought, this is quite a lot of reading to do. But then one... Wise young woman just said, it's a lifetime's work, Stephen. <laughs> revelation will come upon revelation all the time as you walk with Jesus, as you walk every day of your life, one day at a time. Then one day you may understand Revelation. <laughs> one day you may understand Leviticus. And as you move on, I've been a Christian now about 13, 14 years now. And it's just starting to fall into place now, really. <laughs> but it's, it's a wondrous work. A wondrous work. Make this Bible the foundation of your life. What are you building your life on? We all build our lives on something. Now, when I was nine years old, my father, he took me to the Arsenal football ground in them days. And um, got a picture of the old North Bank here. It's kind of come up. And as a nine-year-old, when you go to a kind of a football stadium, you're, it's everything, isn't it? You know, it's not Cambridge United or Exeter. This is, this is the Arsenal. Look at it. Wonderful, isn't it? Look, Oh, look, come on. I spent 15 years on there cheering, singing, crying. <laughs> some great games, some great goals. 15 years of my life on that place. 
About here. That was my spot. That was my spot. Oh, that was my spot. That was my bit of concrete. 15 years, that was my concrete. That was in front of the barrier. I gave my life to that place. And then in the last match in 1992, I think it was Southampton home, 1-5-1, Ian Wright hat-trick. Don't know many other things. 41,000. It was the last game. And I, I wasn't moving off my spot. It was the last time that that was going to be demolished. Can you imagine that? The whole thing was going to be demolished. No way. I'm not moving off this spot. I've been here 15 years. Well, I went home a couple of times, you know. But 15 years. I'm not moving. This is my spot. This is my cathedral. I worship here. And there are thousands of us at the end of the game. We shall not be moved. We were singing. But you know what happened? We were moved. When half the Metropolitan Police Force come with riot shields, you start to move. We're off. Okay, we're leaving this now. And we were saying goodbye to the terrorists. This is ridiculous. But it was. It was my God. I built my life on an idol. What are we building our lives on? You could be building your lives on football teams. Don't build your lives on Exeter or Spurs. Blimey. You'll be waiting forever for something. Don't build your lives on them. But what else? It could be a relationship. You know, you could be building your life on work. But what happens is when your idol is taken away from you, look at the next picture. Oh, I can't see this. I can't bear this. When I saw this picture a few months later in the back of the Evening Standard, something ripped out of my heart. Seriously, I'm not joking. 15 years I gave that place, and then one digger comes in and demolishes my ground. I wanted to go back and get the concrete and put it in my garden and say, this is where I stood. Put you, poor old North Bank. We had some great memories together. No, but that's it, isn't it? When your idol is ripped from you, what happens? I tell you what happened. It left a big void in my heart. Left a void in my heart. Life wasn't going to be the same again. I'd built my life around this. My friendships, my family, my work. They all knew me because of Arsenal. What a waste of time. They're never going to win the European League anyway. (laughs) Now, I still enjoy football. Don't get me wrong. I love football. But I realize the danger. But it just fell out of me. So for years, I was then trying to fill it. This big void in my heart. For years, I was suffering. Family was suffering. I was suffering. I was in depression. And then one night, I just felt inclined to go to my nana's grave. (laughs) And there I was on my nana's grave down New Market Road, just kneeling and crying, speaking to my nana's tomb. (laughs) I was. The nana, my life's finished. What is it? What am I living for? I'm empty. What am I building my life on, nana? And I just felt he turned, got looking at the clouds. And God, are you really there? Really? If you are, you show me you're there because I'm broken. I've got nothing. My heart's empty. Show me you're real. But the next day and the following week, something happened in my spirit. Something happened in my spirit because the word of God, which never lies, unchanging, in Psalm 145, 18, says this. Psalm 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. I was broken. 
I know the Bible says that God is looking for broken hearts. That the Lord lives in heaven with those who are lowly and broken and contrite in heart and spirit. And I was on the ground. I called out to him. Then he starts to draw near. The Bible also says he draws near to you. And in my spirit, I could feel things moving around. I was shifting. I was, I was working back locally. Things are starting to move in my spirit. Things that I was in, I started to cut off without knowing why. It was only recently, actually, that God showed me how his hand was upon me all in my life. It's amazing, really. Reading the Gideon's Bible for a week faithfully. Forgot that, but he showed me, remembered me, he reminded me of that. How I asked my parents, why are we here? And is there anything? I think it's a big bang, I think they said. But I was asking, I was saying, why, why, what's going on? And then God saved me from that. He reminded me when he saved me from an accident and an illness. Because my hand's always upon you. I'm waiting for you to call out to me. God's hand is always upon all of us. And there may be some here right now who haven't called out on the Lord with distress, with a broken and humble heart. This may be a time now to call out to him. He is ready to draw close. And after that time, when I called out to him, in that same week, 35 prestige vintage Arsenal shirts went off to Africa. <laughs> Cleared the wardrobe out, sold on my programs. Think, just get rid of the God, get rid of the idol. But that's what happens, isn't it? But Psalm 145.19 continues. This is after the one about God drawing near to those who call on him. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. Now, I didn't get the fear bit, but I get the cry and the save bit. I was crying. He saved me. But then you realize, as you move on with your journey with the Lord, that God is a God to be feared. God is still the same. He is an awesome God. He still saves and he will make judgment one day. He's a God to be feared. So when we come to him with that kind of attitude, it is then when we get the enormity of his grace upon us, that we are grafted into his family by the precious blood of his son. That's how much he loves you. We are chosen, not forsaken. He is looking for those who will call out on him in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isaiah 66. Has not my hand made all these things and so they came into being, declares the Lord. This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. So when you go to the meeting place, when you want to pray to the Lord, do you tremble so much with your mobile phone? (laughs) As you go in there, no, no, it's time to get serious with the Lord. God is waiting. And I, my guarantee is this, when you fear and honor God with a holy reverence and a holy fear, he knows more about you than you know yourself. He does. He knows you better than you. He's got a better plan for you than you've got yourself. That's what I realized. I now live one day at a time for the Lord. Tomorrow morning, I'll wake up. going to be really tired probably after jet lag. How am I going to get through this afternoon? I don't know. When I was preaching today, I thought, I hope the preacher keeps me awake today. I didn't realize I was preaching. 
you know, we should be five hours behind. It should be 10 o'clock now for me after Colombian time. But we need to tremble at his word. We need to take God seriously. Because God is a God who listens. God listens. Proverbs 1 7 talks about the fear of the Lord. It's the beginning of all knowledge. There are many Proverbs where God talks about an, a fearful man of his Lord will be blessed. Will be blessed. A man who fears God will be blessed. We need to take God seriously. Some churches don't, don't take, some Christians don't take God too seriously. He's a God who will pass judgment. He is a God who is still the same. But his mercies are new every day. He has played the grace now. It's time to take hold of that grace. It's like, oh God, you are such a marvelous, wonderful God. And whatever the world throws at you, are safe in the shadow of his wings. You are safe in, in his arms. Make God your idol, your God in your heart. Amen. And we read in, in the chapter 33 about Moses going to the tent of meeting. Verse 7. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away. Calling it the tent of meeting. Now that's the secret place, right? <laughs> Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. Wow. And while the Lord spoke with Moses. And whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses returned to the camp. Isn't that incredible? You go to your prayer room. You go to your secret place. You go to your tent of meeting. God will listen to your prayer. God is listening. Jesus says, go to the secret place. Close the door. Your Father in heaven will see what you are praying. Jesus said, again, the same God throughout, unchanging character of God. Telling us, go and pray. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want religious prayers. He wants you to speak to him as a father would. When I speak to my son, I, I love how we just talk. And if he says he loves me, which you do, don't you? I don't force him to say, tell me you love me, son. All right. When he does and the other one does, and they say, God bless you, Dad, we love you. Oh, I feel good. You know, I feel good. Because my son blessed me and loves me. I didn't force him to say it. That's how the father speaks about, wants about you. I want you to tell him you love him. Thank you, Lord, for your, for your son, for setting me free. Because I know, God, that through your word, you tell me I'm a chosen child of God. Isn't that amazing? Many people in the world, they're spending thousands of pounds on psychologists and, and self-help books. What are they? Drivel. Hypnosis books and how to be confident and all this kind of stuff. And, and people are searching, aren't they? Many people are searching for the truth. Many people are searching spirituality. Now, I read a book. It was called Instant Confidence. About the time when the North Bank went, I needed confidence. I needed help. So I was looking for self-help. And I got this book, Instant Con Yeah, this is the new me now. You know, my identity in football had finished, really, and I needed a new identity. So this book was telling me how to get a new identity. 
<laughs> it was. And it says, look into a mirror. So I was looking into a mirror. And, and he goes, oh, I, and I was reading the book. Now, look at, think of someone who inspires you, an actor, whatever it may be. Think of someone and look in the mirror as if you're looking at them. Right? So I wanted to be James Bond. So I was, I was trying to all look James Bond. Like, it says, now repeat, I am James Bond. I am James Bond. It was telling me, I am James Bond. That's how I started the week, because I'm fifth. I'm James Bond. I'm James Bond. I'm James Bond. So I walk out, go to work. as James Bond. Well, I don't drivel. But this is what these books tell us. They play with your mind. But all the time I'm looking in the mirror and Jesus is saying, you're Stephen Cassidy. I've made you in my image. You are a son of God. You're not Jennifer Lopez, you're Liliana Cassidy. You know, all the time you're a chosen child of God. You don't have to be anyone else. You don't have to look like anyone else. Young people don't have to look on social media and say, oh, they're nice, I want to be like them. No, you are you. You are you. There's only one you. There's only one you. There's only one of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he wants a relationship with you. With this. This book tells me who I am. Live one day at a time in his presence, in his tent of meeting. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Glory a Dios. Hallelujah. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. Unchanging nature of God. See, God is more interested in your relationship with him. And that's still the same. Jesus said the same. In Matthew 7, 22 to 23, Jesus was talking about those who would come to him at the end of times and say, but Jesus, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? In your name, drive out demons and perform any miracles. They did all the work for God. They took, wouldn't it be great to, to see all these miracles? But Jesus says, I, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. I never knew you. Jesus is, is reiterating what the Father always wants is a relationship with you. It is in the secret place where you just converse one-on-one. The more busy we get in this world, the more time we need to guard our secret time with him. Psalm 55 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. The more busy we get and rushing around, guard your secret time with him. You watch him do a miracle. If you guard that time, he'll multiply all your other stuff. He will. He will. A few years ago, I wanted to do a 12-hour day at my... I work for myself, and I want to do a 12-hour day. I wanted to earn lots of money, and I thought, I'm going to wake up early, do 12 hours of work. Seven till seven. Yeah, seven till seven. I'll skip dinner. Lily can have it later. I'll, I'll do 12, 12 hours work, 12 times X amount. Excellent, lovely. But I got up, and as I was about to start, I heard a voice saying, can I just have a little of your time today? Huh? Okay. So I went into my secret place in the living room. Now it's not a secret anymore, is it? Because I've just told you. And I picked up my guitar and I, and I just started to worship. Then I was lost in worship. I was lost in worship. Because you enter from the natural 
into the spirit. God is spirit. He's looking for worshippers in spirit and in truth. You see, he's got, you've got to put the death of the natural. So when you wait upon the Lord, there's many verses in the Bible saying, wait upon the Lord. Be still. Know I am God. My soul waits. My soul waits. Leave the phone outside the door. It's all about you and God now. Father sees you in the secret place. And the minute you start worshipping, just worship quietly. Let the presence come and just be adoring him, adoring him. Jesus gave us the model prayer, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means just to worship, just to worship. And the minute we start worshipping, suddenly we magnify how big God is. All our problems get smaller and smaller and smaller. They reduce. They reduce. And I, it was about an hour and a half, hour and three quarters had gone by. It's now nearly nine o'clock. Where's, where's those two hours gone? Wow. And I, been, I went to pick the Bible up. I was lost in worship. I was like, oh, my, this is amazing. I was drunk in the spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I picked up my Bible, turned to Isaiah 33 or 32. But the pages were stuck together. And as I opened the pages near the window, suddenly gold dust manifested before my eyes. I went on my knees and I heard the voice of God say, this is a part of my glory. A part of my glory. You gave the day to me. Now look me. Now watch me multiply the rest. Now I don't go to the secret place searching or looking for the gold dust and the glory now. I know his presence is with me. I just want to worship and honor him. Now for the rest of the day, all my work was done within a fraction of the time. Because you're in the spirit. Because you could do things in the spirit quicker than you do in the natural. When you rely on the spirit of God, he multiplies. When you sow money into whatever, God will multiply. You watch it. Test him in this. And he was a, I just loved it. I went to show Lily the Bible. Look, gold dust. Oh, well, I see that in Colombia all the time, she said. <laughs> but we're in Cherry Hinton. That's a miracle. Hallelujah. This is what God does. This is what God does. He wants your time. Make time for him. Then he will use the rest of your time better. He will teach you how to use the rest of your time much better. Oh, I'm too busy to pray. I've got the kids playing up. I've got the wife playing up. I've got the... No, 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 no. Make sure you get some time. I know a story of a lady who has so many kids. I don't know how many children she had. But she, she says, when, I, when your mother puts a tea towel over her head, she's with the Lord. So leave me alone. That's the only time she can get alone a lot of the time. So she goes, kids, watch. Leave me. I'm, in, I'm with the Lord. That's her secret place. She had to do that to calm herself down, you see. <laughs> no, but whatever it may be, guard that time of all your heart. God wants to know you. He wants to know you. It is available. Moses knew what it was to speak face to face. And God said, you're my friend. Isn't that amazing? He's your friend. He's your friend. Israel and Deborah, God's got something so great for you too. You keep seeking him in that secret place. Both of you together and apart as well. Seek him and seek him and seek him. Encourage one another. Love on one another. And you, he's going to really do great things in your lives. Carry on. Diane, happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> Stand up, Diane. Stand up. Hallelujah. 
It's rude to ask a lady's age, but John, how old? No, no. <laughs> Let's pray for you, Diane. Just this Diane's birth. She's a wonderful woman of God. Father, we thank you for Diane. Hallelujah. We thank you for your spirit, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful, wonderful woman, Lord. Thank you for your daughter. That she is a wonderful daughter. You are so pleased with her. That you know her by name. Oh, God, I thank you for the years you've given her. I thank you for her family. I thank you for her husband and her children, God. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that these next years will be the greatest of her life. I pray for them the great infilling of the Holy Spirit. Right now, that you will use her even greater, God. That you will use her even greater, God. We thank you for the work. She's put a burden on your heart for all the young lost in Elfabri and all this before. Serving hot chocolate and your sacrifice in the evenings to go and speak to them about Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, you've seen the work that she has done for you. Lord, continue to use her greatly, Lord. Give her more wisdom, Lord. May she be so lost in your presence that she comes out even more like you, Christ. Hallelujah. Lord, bless every single day of her life, Lord. Bless her marriage. Bless her home, God. More of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. More like you, Jesus. Amen. Happy birthday, Diane. Hallelujah. So in a secret place, you can be enjoying Jesus, enjoying his presence. It's wonderful. But you know, when we come to the prayer room, sometimes we have what the lie of the enemy is. says praying is boring. And, and praying can be hard. You have to have lists. And God, give me a job. Lord, give me this boyfriend. Give me this girl. All that. So, no, no. But there is power in prayer the more you know him intimately. Moses showed us this. Moses showed us that when he's in the tent of meeting, there's power in his prayer. His intercessory prayer for his people was amazing. Earlier in chapter 32, between verses 30 and 34, read this, what Moses was up to. The next day, Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin. But now I'll go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Wow. He wants to say, you're guilty. I think I'm going to go and speak to the Lord for it on your behalf. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. Now he's in the presence of God in the tent of meeting, right? They have made themselves gods of gold. But now please forgive their sin, Father. But if not, then blot me out of the book you've written. Wow. Moses has taken on board the guilt of his people. Blot me out of the book. Now, for those who don't know, the book is the book of life with our names written on or not. But Moses said, take my name out, Lord, if the guilt cannot be paid. But then God responds. The Lord replied to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I spoke of, and my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish him for the sin. So God is so ticked off now with his people. He's not even going with them. He's sending an angel ahead of him. I can't go with you. Your sin is too great. I cannot even be near your sin. That's how the level of sin for God is. But Moses, interceding for his people all the time, in the tent of meeting, in chapter 33, we were reading, lead, lead his people. He intercedes all the time for his people because he feels the guilt of their sin. Now, this country, 
Do we feel the weight of sin on this country now? The laws that the governments are passing, contrary to God's holy law. The sin of the people. Are we interceding on behalf of our governments with prayer and fasting? It's heavy. I love this country, but I do not love how it's coming. This country, they called, was a Christian country, and, and, and the kings have wanted every Bible in every house. And, but now with the laws being passed, confused people of what gender they are, and they're all getting married between each other. They don't got a clue what marriage is anymore. The abortion laws, and, and also yoking the country with other religions. What, is, what does God think of this country? Does he think of any different in this country? The immorality is Nineveh or Sodom. We need to intercede. We need to intercede for our families. Prayer and fasting. We've been speaking about it and that's what's on the heartbeat of Pastor Phil in the vision last Sunday. We want to pray for the city. We want North Arbury and the, and the teenagers and the young men and women of North Arbury to know Jesus, to, to break the chains of smoking and drugs pornography we need to pray and intercede it's a time for the church to pray and intercede we want intercessors not interferers in every church there's plenty of interferers right that's true you know we've got a great worship team we've got some great singers but where are the clingers we all want to sing we don't want to cling to the word of God and pray. It's true. You know, in the early church, when the disciples were being baptized with the fire of the Holy Spirit, there was no qualifications and degrees, but plenty of fire. Now in the church, there's plenty of degrees, but no fire. We're too focused on academic, but the fire of God. It's the Holy Spirit and the fire of God that changes lives. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. No, it's true. I'm not against academics. Of course I'm not. It's good to learn and teach. I know, I know all that. And we need to go to Bible college. And, but the Apostle Paul, they, they had the fire of God. They had revelation. They had intimacy in the secret place. And when you're in intimacy and you're praying and fasting, God will answer your prayer. And he won't answer it sort of loosely. He'll say, because you're my friend. I'll, I'll grant your request. Exodus 33, 17, when Moses was praying about the presence in verse 15, Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people? Unless you, God, go with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? 17 says, And the Lord said, I will do the very thing you have asked. Wow. Because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Some of our prayers aren't being answered because ultimately God's not pleased with you still. Maybe there's sin in your life still. Maybe there's... Something that's still blocking. Maybe you're only going to God with a petition and not with all your heart. Maybe you're just praying but not seeking intimacy. 
Prayer and fasting. Jesus said it as well. We need to learn to walk in the spirit and his intimacy and his presence. So the more you spend in the intimacy place, it's a beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. I love all the miracles. I love all this. But you need this. To minister this well. God will give you a taste of this glory. Like he gave me a taste in Columbia five years ago. A wonderful miracle. Wonderful. He gave me a taste of wonderful glory it was. An incredible miracle. It's quite a long story. So, but it's incredible. I thought, whoa, what a miracle. And I was like, whoa, what a miracle. It was me. There was a little bit of that in me though, you know. There is, isn't there? I'm being honest. But what God does then, he gives you a taste of his glory to throw you back into intimacy so we can change your character to minister the taste of glory again. You've got to humble yourself again. God, forgive me for that pride. That was all about you, that miracle. It wasn't about me. He drags you back. He refines you. We sing the songs, refine me like fire, Lord. Refine me like fire, Lord. Really? Get back in here. This is where it happens. In the intimacy. We get saved over here. Then we... Start praying, but then we get a taste of his glory, and then we like hanging around here a bit more. <laughs> we? We, like this. we love all this. But Jesus says, I never knew you. We did all this, but I never knew you. Get back over here. You like that? This is quite good. Get back over here. <laughs> this is where it is. Stephen, in the book of Acts, I love Stephen. One, because he's got a great name. <laughs> and it's spelt right. <laughs> Sorry, Stephen's with a V. <laughs> but, but I love him. He, in the book of Acts, you'll read with Philip and five others in the chorus, and all the other Tamor. And, right, they were chosen to serve food. Right? But Stephen, it, it says in the Bible, was working miracles and signs and wonders. He was full of the Holy Spirit. He was full. He could, he could command in the name of Jesus. And he would see miracles. But when there was a need for food to be served at the church, he put his hand up. I'll serve. He didn't see it as too little. There's some people, we get this over here and we forget, actually serving food's not for me. I like the miracles. No, no. Jesus modeled to us, it's important to serve. Ministering here in the secret place and to serve. Stephen got it. Stephen had all that. So when he was serving and working, serving food, this came alongside him. And then he can operate in that from a place of humility and servanthood. We need to do that. When we do our evangelism on the streets, when we do these mission weekends and things like this, make sure it comes from here. Don't jump from over here and try and tell people about the love of God. You don't understand the love of God intimately too. You come over here, oh, can I tell you about Jesus? No, tell me about him. He died on the cross for your sin. And you know, that's good. But when you've been in here, you've got more, more ammunition. You've got more spirit going on. You've got more. You can tell him about the love and you can quote scripture, you know. It's from here. From here. Intimacy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because the Father's looking for worshippers in spirit and truth. And Paul also writes in Galatians 5, 16, 17. That there's always a contest between spirit and flesh. 
Always. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So God wants us to live in the Spirit. But to, to defeat the sinful nature, we need to spend time in here. Because when you're in the world, you'll see all the jealousy, the pride, the lust, or whatever it comes up. And you've got to come back here and sit on your knees and say, God, I sacrificed this lust on your altar right now. Change me. And then you come back in again. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. You see, they're in conflict with the Holy Spirit of God. Beautiful presence of the Holy Spirit of God. There's a tension between the spirit of the world. There has to be. The light and the holiness of God cannot live in darkness. The weight of the sin of this country should weigh heavy on your shoulders. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ. It once makes you want to pray. And put to death all the stuff of the world. In Colombia, a young man asked me at the end of a, the Sunday service just went last week. He says, tell me, how do you... Well, he said in Spanish, ¿Cómo tú ministras en Espíritu Santo? <laughs> How do you minister in the Holy Spirit? And, and allow all these things to happen. I said, it's not me. It's a secret. I, I want to get back into the secret place with God. I want to get back in my tent of me. And I explained to him, it's all about this. I said, the more this happens when I've got it a bit more. But I know that I just want to enjoy him alone. We need to ask God to transform our characters to minister the gifts of the Holy Spirit well. Don't look for fame or fantasy. or It's all about his presence. The apostle Paul died to self. Peter and all the apostles and others later. It was all about the presence. These were great, but they were just about the presence. One day you can walk down the street and people can fall and be healed in your shadow. Isn't that true? Because you're just so immersed in the Holy Spirit and God that you are just a thunderbolt for him. Because your heart is so molded into what he wants for you. Servant-hearted, humble-hearted, contrite-hearted, serving the one and only God. Hallelujah. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing, and I'm a work in progress. <laughs> you know, Hallelujah. You know, we, I pray right now in verse 18. I love the way Moses, after all, he went through those stages. Moses interceding for his people, feeling the weight and the guilt of sin. Going to the tent of meeting, praying, interceding, face to face as one with a friend. And then God says, I will do this because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. And because of that process and that intimacy, Moses is now bold enough to say, Now, Lord, show me your glory. Mustrami su gloria, Señor. Sounds better in Spanish, doesn't it? Mustrami su gloria, Señor. Show me your glory. Show me your glory, God. Because it's, he's been so transformed into able to. God to be able to show him some glory. 
When God showed me bits of glory and, and healing, he was showing me parts. Because he knew my character wasn't ready to receive all of his glory. But he's revealing more and more every day he's spending the secret place being transformed. You can have the worship team back. Great, thanks. God will reveal his glory in your life. He can reveal his glory in your life. But you're to come to him with a humble heart, a contrite heart. Fear God. He is God overall. He's the one-legged bass player. Good job it's not an arm, dear. <laughs> Bless him. Healing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Glory of God on you. Praise God. So as I come to a close, the nature of God is unchanging. He's an unchanging God. His mercies are new every day. The blood sacrifice paid by Jesus Christ was such an immense price that whilst I was doing other and worshipping other things, he died for me. So when I called out to him with a broken heart and lost and depression, he started to move things in my life to find him, to undercover him and to discover him that I am a chosen son of God. And it's important, he's teaching me to pray and intercede for my family, my children and the church and this city. The weight of sin's heavy. The temptations for our young people are heavy. You may have people in your families right now who are far away from God. We need to pray and fast. If you can kneel before God in fear and trembling, you can stand before any man. Stephen knew this. He could stand before the Sanhedrin and face his death because he knew what it was to kneel before God. And God saw his heart, he filled him, and he used him marvelously. But he wasn't looking for fame. He just wanted to serve Jesus. Let's stand and pray. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org If you're listening on iTunes we would love you to leave us some feedback God bless and goodbye